I was listening to a guy and he said basically the three C's, the championships, cash, and conquests. You right. know, that's what makes a man. And you even see that in our entertainment, like yeah, our, yeah. our TV shows. Like you go from My Three Sons and Leave It to Beaver to where the man came home from work and was involved in their lives. You go ahead like 30, 40 years and you have like married with children and the guy's sitting on the couch watching TV, drinking beer. When does manhood begin? I'm Chuck Tate, and here at Fellowship of Believers, we encourage families, strengthen marriages, and edify the body of Christ. I'm Larry Grimm. We also promote biblical doctrine in a fun and engaging way. And I'm Sarah, and if it's Christian, we're talking about it. This is the Mike Charleston Show. All right, guys. Well, we are... It's a hot, hot day hot. out here. We were just talking about that. It feels like 112 right now. Yeah. That's crazy. So in here or outside? <laughs> it is crazy. Well, speaking of that, toughing it out, we're going to be talking about manliness today a little bit. And I think you should do this just fine after today. Oh, man. It was, it was a rough day. But uh, Joshua and the kids had worked on something the other day and they want to show a little clip. So they wanted to have fun with something. So go ahead. Daddy, help! 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 Tell me, what is it? What is it? My foot fell off. I see your. Which one? That one. Oh, I see. That one. Yeah. Come here. Play some Minecraft. Um. Oh. Yes, my son's foot just fell off, and I don't know what to do. Just send an ambulance. Please hurry right now. All right, just take it. He tripped, and it felt, no, there's no bleeding, but I'm pretty sure he's dying. Son, son how bad does it hurt? How bad is it? It hurts like crazy. It's it 10 out of 10. Like he says it hurts like crazy. I just died. Oh. <laughs> he's playing Minecraft, and he's, 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 he's dying. Oh, <laughs> I need the thumbprint. I'm gonna buy the game. Um, what should I do? Oh, oh, hey, you're gonna get a week off of school, okay? Um, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is that it? Uh, we don't even have any clapping for that. Uh, so yeah, That's uh, isn't that so true though? Yeah, uh, these Gen Zers. Um, <laughs> The only thing he was missing was a man bun. A man bun. Oh, wow. So anyway, so that's kind of what we're talking about today, right? Is what makes a man and the lost art of manliness. Yeah. And not this toxic manliness that we'll talk about. (laughs) Well, I mean, what we consider to be a man, most the a lot of the world would consider toxic. Really? So, yeah. But that's, I mean, society needs men to be men, but they somehow, they don't want that at the same time. It's like, well, you can't have your cake and eat it too, which, so. Uh, it's interesting you say that they, they don't want it um, because I think culture kind of pushes us that way to where we, we, you know, the definition of what a man is is, 
skewed to where it's not manliness as we would think of it. But um, I think if you get to individuals, uh, that's not the case. I think if you ask somebody, uh, I mean, if you ask, if you ask a, a young woman what they're looking for, they're going to probably present the right man, <laughs> the right yeah. definition of a man instead of, uh, you know, what the culture may define a man to be. Well, growing up, our definition or ideal of a man was Arnold Schwarzenegger, big buff man, and uh, got the girls. Yeah, you know, got the money, was successful. I mean, that's the idea of what a man is, right? I mean, that's, John Wayne, right? John Ch- Wayne, Charles right. Ingalls, Charles Ingalls. Yeah, he was a man's man, right? Yeah. He always had answers for everything. And he was probably more of a, a man than some of the other things. But um, he always went to bed with his shirt off, though. I'm like, he lives in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, yeah, come on, man. <laughs> uh, it's cold up there. <laughs> so anyway. All right. So, uh, you know, in, in our day and age, we, we have genders and men and women. We don't even know what is what anymore. And, and we're not going to kind of get in the political side of this. But it is important to understand what a man is and when does manhood begin. And right. that is kind of, that's, that's probably a good place to start is yeah, when yeah. does it actually start? When does when is manhood begin? Is there an age? Or is there not an age? I, well, I think you can make a good argument biblically that it would be somewhere around 20. Right. Or that, but yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah. I'd be curious, like, when did you think you were a man? When did I think I was a man? It's <laughs> yeah. a little personal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm still waiting sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when I probably... I don't know. Because it's probably changed through the years, whereas when you were young, you probably thought you were a man. And then as you got older, you thought, well, oh, when yeah. I was that age. I thought um, I was a man. Like at 18, that's when everybody thinks right. they're a man, yeah. they're a man right? Yeah. And um, But I didn't really have my own place. I, I moved out and lived with someone. Then uh, I went to college and lived with other people. And yeah. then, you know, I never had my own place until I got married. And so it was like, well, I felt like a man when I got married, probably. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. You kind of grow up a bit. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the point at which you had to become a man. Right. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. well yeah. hopefully, but that's not <laughs> well, always the case. Yeah. And then having your first child, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Now things have changed yeah, a bit. Yeah, life changes yeah. tremendously there. You know, I look back, if I think about that question, I remember um, I, teenager... Um, dating, and I remember a point in time, my dad was sitting there talking to me, and circumstances had brought about. I had done something that uh, I think it was. I don't remember what it was. I think I, I think I ran out of gas when I had was out on a date one time, and he's like, "It's on. You got to do better." You know, and I'm like, "Big deal." I mean, I handled it. We got, we got a place. We got a home. <laughs> we figured but, it out. Um, I remember. I remember specifically. He asking me. Um, this was, and I was actually dating Jeannie at the time. You know, if you're, you know, if you're thinking about, you, you're gonna actually get married to this girl one day, you, you got to do better than this. And I was like, marriage? What are you talking about? Yeah, marriage? Talking about? I, yeah. But that was the first, and I look back and I guess that would be one of the first times when I think about, you know, becoming a man. Right. It's like, oh, it's, you know, that that is serious. That is something that you got to consider. You know, I, I never thought about marrying anybody up until that point. Yeah. But um, I, I believe uh, that oftentimes, uh, well, Probably should be anyway. We're going to become a man is when a man tells you you are right. Yeah, you know when when another man says you know shows you that you're a man or that you need to be one. 
Well, I think uh, missing in our culture, and you see this in a lot of primitive cultures even today, is there is a sort of rite of passage right. where they ha- the young boy has to accomplish something to make that transition from being a boy to a man. But we kind of lost that. In yeah, our... we just we don't we don't really do that. We just no. say graduate high school. Yeah, and you you you're you're a man now. You, right? you reach age eighteen, and then unfortunately yeah. they go to college, and they really not a bunch of men in college. No, there's really? a lot of boys. And yeah, so it's really not an age that makes you a man. The Bible would have an age of I would agree like twenty would definitely say that you're a man. Um, you should be a man, right? Yeah, but. Yeah. The uh, but obviously when we're talking about becoming a man and being manly, uh, it's not an age thing. I know men that are 40, 50, 60, and they're not men yet. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. still they're still in that that phase of maturing if they ever do. Yeah, you know what? This kind of it's one of these things that it's just irks me all the time when I hear it. And you see some guy that's twenty five, maybe thirty, and he talks about his girlfriend. I'm like, what are you? St- you still haven't got past high school. Mm-hmm. You got a girlfriend. You should have a wife by now. That's just a kind of like it sounds so childish to see this guy. What, what if he doesn't have a wife? I don't, I don't understand the problem. Well, you should have a wife. <laughs> okay. right? but, but it hasn't worked out yet for him. I, I know, but it just doesn't sound. It's, poor guy. <laughs> it sounds so childish to say that. Oh, there's my girlfriend. Because uh, well, I. I it's a good thing someone didn't come to you after you got married and said, where's your kids? You should have kids. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Fun. Like, well, what does that, I mean, because I mean, it's like you get a certain age and it's like, well, how long is it going to take you to make that girl your wife instead of you're going to carry this on for another five more years? And I don't know what you call them, you know, it's at, at, that, <laughs> at it, that age, you're... Yeah, I but know. I mean, I, like, how how long does it take? I mean... Well, these days, can, people are getting married much later. And I know. so, 30, 35... Well, and they're making their common. engagements, like, three years. I'm like, right. Well, who are we talking to that it was like, doesn't matter, but they were like, they were engaged for seven years. Like, yeah, that, that doesn't make I'm any like, sense. Good yeah. night. How how in the right. world? That <laughs> why? would be a miserable yeah, that's engagement. The yeah, why? Yeah. So, yeah, so obviously age is not a age big not deal, age. right? So, so what defines it? You know, when do you become a man? What? So we're a Christian show. We're going right. to look at the Bible. So what's the Bible say? The Bible, it does say some things about it. It's not exhaustive. It, it probably assumes a number of things here just because culture. Now, we have to be careful. Culture doesn't define uh, a man, but in some ways it does because right. uh, depending on if you live in Saudi Arabia, their definition of a man is going to be different than if you grew up in Russia as opposed to if you grew up in China or in America. And in ours, unfortunately, it is skewed a lot by entertainment. And, and so mm-hmm. like we were talking about earlier, the the Rambo, the the macho man, and the uh, the money maker and the the championship. I was listening to a guy, and he said basically the three C's: the championships, cash, and conquests. You right. know that that's 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 what makes a man. And you even see that in our entertainment, like yeah, our, yeah. our TV shows. Like you go from My Three Sons and Leave It to Beaver to where the dad, the man, he came home from work and was involved in their lives to you, you go ahead like 30, 40 years and you have like married with children and the guy's sitting on the couch watching TV, drinking beer, and right. he's just a comic relief at this point. And are the Simpsons where Homer is a dope, right? And the woman's got to figure out everything. The woman's got to do all this. So the man is just like relegated to uh, just a, a joke at this point. Yes, yeah, exactly yeah. what 
exactly what entertainment makes it today. You right, but God hardly ever see anything in, in the entertainment world that defines a man as someone who's going to be a provider, someone who's going to be a leader in right. their home or actually call out the the best in other people. It's, you're just relegated to, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy. <laughs> I'm here yeah. and I, I'm going to, you know, I'll go to work, come home, but leave me alone. Well, we're going to take some Bible verses out of context, okay? Uh, Maybe right. we should have an alert for that or something like that. <laughs> we, we have some Bible uh, verses out of context. An alarm sound? The um, uh, First Corinthians 13, 11. It says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, we fully admit we are ripping this out of context, okay? <laughs> but not completely. Not completely, I'd say. Uh, right. Because, because it, it's, it, he is comparing... Uh, the point of the passage is not to talk about manliness. It's here. not, and uh, but it, it is. It's still true that when we were children, we spoke like a child. I understood like one, but when I grew up, I needed to grow up. Basically, yeah, you right. need to put away childish things. And yep. yeah, you don't need to. Be and we have a hard time these days. Like people, yeah. I still, I grew up in the video game gener- generation. Now, you guys were a little ahead of my, me, but yeah. uh, when we came out, we we had the Nintendo and the Genesis, and that was uh, my generation. Right. And I know a number of people my age that that's what they do. That is right. Yeah. We were talking to uh, a friend of ours. And um, I forget how it got on, but at his job site, he works with a lot of younger people. And he said, you know, we, we don't talk about hunting or fishing or anything like that. They talk about video games. And I was that like, what are you talking about? And he's <laughs> like, well, they're all younger and they all have these parties and they get together and they, they play online games together. And uh, that's what they talk about uh, around the water cooler. And I was like, wow, that is... Wow. Times so, have changed. I, I understood that a little bit. How people get get into the video games and get and, you know, into it themselves. The thing that really got me a couple years ago was people who would watch online oh, yeah. other people play yeah. video games. That's a big thing I'm on like, YouTube. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that concept. Hey, it's I old. Don't, it doesn't make any sense to it's me. It's bizarre. Now, me and my me and my CFO at work, we thought about how can we cash in on this. But oh yeah, <laughs> we figured that out. Yeah, but it, it's that's some crazy. Oh, they're cashing in on it. That's oh, a yeah. crazy concept to me that you're going to watch somebody else play. Well, part of it is I thought the same thing. I'm like, who's going to watch a video of somebody playing a video game? But if because of the tournaments, yeah. And some of these tournaments, you can win quite a bit of money, and so. These guys on YouTube and stuff, they'll show you secrets and things on how to get past certain levels on these games. And yeah. So, I guess. Yeah. I was like, because it didn't make any sense to me either. But, but then old. it was like, well, old. now they have the um, Olympic, the uh, what X Game Olympics or whatever, yeah, where yeah. You, it's all video games, but. Well, that's not the X Games. Uh, no, uh, what do they call it? Uh, it's 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 a uh, you know what I'm talking gaming, about, right? It's, yeah, it's gaming, gaming Olympics or something. Yes, and they have tournaments <laughs> all the time. That's so ridiculous. So that's video games. Obviously, we look at that and we say, okay, you need to. That's that's somewhat childish. We yeah, put, put away, away childish things. But and, <laughs> I, you're right. I'm a separate generation. What's what's something else? What's something for well, us, Larry, in our generation? When you put away something that's childish. Sorry, I put him on the yeah, spot. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think because... He's still uh, working on that, Chuck. Well, because... I know, it's like, I don't want to point fingers. When I was like, yeah, I know. That's right. I'm still trying to grow up. Uh, when I was a kid, the, the video game system we had was the Atari 2600 and then the Atari 5200. Mm. High tech Ooh, there, I tell you up. what. You're a little large. I know. You know, I think, I think it, when I think about it, it's just in general the idea that 
we transition when we're growing up when you're a child when you're a boy there's a lot of time that you spend playing. You know, that's right. a lot yeah. of the ways we learn. We learn yeah. by playing. That's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, you go from playing to working. You got to transition from, you know, somebody else is doing this for me. I got a lot of free time. I can spend this time to I'm taking responsibility. And where's that responsibility coming from? And you transition from free time, play time to, right. okay, I'm working much more time now and, and taking on these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got Ezekiel twenty two thirty. It says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Right. No, it's once again we're ripping it out of context here. But they were looking for someone and they couldn't find it. And actually, you don't I think you have it on here, but Isaiah also talks about how a society that is without the the male leadership that is good. And it's led by kids basically and and children and it's not a very good picture and yeah. this is about the same thing uh here first corinthians fourteen twenty. says brethren be not children in understanding how be it in malice be children but in understanding be men so i like how that puts it there like yeah. in malice which guys are really good at yeah, yeah be like children which is ignorant you know, mm-hmm. be innocent, you know, in that way. But in other things, don't be in- ignorant and innocent. First Timothy 6.11. It says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Okay, so we missed the things that we we're supposed to flee. Yeah. You have to read that. Go back and <laughs> yeah. read it yourself. But follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Now, we're, we're working into something where we, we're building a picture of what a man of God would look like. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to get here where we're going to compare what a boy is and what a man is. But as we see this, the example, obviously the, the perfect example is Christ. Right. And, and his self, selflessness and, and all that. So flee those things, those uh, worldly things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. That's not promoted in our society. No, no, no. You know, that's not what we picture as a godly man. Oh, meek? You know, right. like, no. no, meek is weak, right? right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, but yet the, the gospels tell us, or not the gospels, the Bible tells us to be meek and to be patient and to right. love and to have faith and to have godliness. What about 2 Timothy 2.22? Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Okay, so now this one, I memorized this when I was a young man and uh, our youth pastor made us. You do this one. And obviously, when you're a young man, the, the lust that you're thinking of is sexual lust. Right. But it is much more than that, right. as we find that, that men are, are, are driven by those passions, obviously, but they're driven also by, by, con, by, by um, like I said, the, the money, the you know, right. power well, and, and all that. I think that's an important aspect to where how we God designed men we are designed to be conquerors yes. and to um, be leaders, to be to to put on that chase to make that conquest and to um, I don't know fight I guess in a sense because I think one of the greatest examples of a man is David. Larry said that. Larry said that God made us to fight. <laughs> well, I mean, fight? You think of like David? I mean, to stand up and fight for what? Larry, right? I mean, because what are you doing? Yes, I understand what you're saying. I'm not just going to get. Well, yeah, but David, I mean, he was a man of war. Yep. He was also a poet. Yep. He was a musician. He was a renaissance man. Oh, yeah, he was yeah. a regular man. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
But he was a man's man at the same time. Yeah. But, and he wasn't afraid to stand up for what's right, and he didn't back down. Yeah. So. And that's the, the youthful lusts. The youthful lusts um, are more concerned about themselves right. and what I can get out of this and instead of concerning about others. And obviously, the, the antithesis of this is to follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, uh, with a pure heart, right? You know, yeah. so that once again, these are good things that people are like, ah, oh, super spiritual things. That's not very manly. The Bible will call that manly. Yeah, that's right. manliness right there. Well, is, that's what I was gonna say. Those traits that we have, those a boy does not temper those. Right. It doesn't learn to control them. They control him. But a man learns to control those things and use them for good. He knows right. when to act. Right. And yeah. when when force is needed. Yeah. And exactly. yeah, so the the things that are dwelt within us that, that are indwelt by God to to fight, right. to conquer, to do that, they're they're tempered by these things so they're used correctly and properly right. whenever they're needed. So one of the uh one of the quotes, um I don't know if it was someone I was listening to uh that y'all had in the in the notes, but the 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 quote was that uh, a boy is born and but a, a man is made. Hmm. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah. so yeah. as we get into these next couple of things about what's the difference between boys and men and just looking at these different characters yeah. and of that, just remember that a boy's born, a man's made. Well so yeah, yeah I think we we're gonna say that here, but Going back to Second Timothy two twenty two, the flee youthful lusts, mm-hmm. and to compare that, here's a here's a list we found. Now this is this is just somewhere we found. This was a Dave Wilson from Family Life Today, so we're stealing it. But I thought it was pretty good. So oh yeah, that's a good list. Um, so here's the list. I'm just going to read it. Uh, boys take, and men give. And uh, so think about that. Boys take, men give. Boys ask, does it feel good? Men ask, is it right? Yeah. So think about this, you know, about the young men in our culture today. Are they asking these questions <laughs> yeah. or where, where are they? Boys are all in as long as it goes their way uh, go, and what they want. Men are all in until they finish what they started. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. That's a huge one. Uh, boys are about self-indulgence. Men are about sacrificial love. That's a that's a huge yeah, one. That's big. And yeah. that 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 I mean, you can look at all of these, and that's the summation of it. Right. You know, is it about me? Is it, is it about myself and what's gonna what I want? Right. Or is it about being a the servant? Yep. And for others, so, yep. and that's when you know you become a man. Are you thinking about others? Or are you thinking about yourself? And boys are passive, and men show up, and that's a that's a big one because uh, men tend to like God has given us the the authority. And, and I know that's under attack these days, right. and I know yep. when men finally understand it, they sometimes go way on the other side, and they're, they're authoritative, and they're brutal. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that we are the leaders in our homes, and we're supposed to be leaders, and, uh, but it is a temptation for us to be passive. Yeah, it and is. And in our churches, that's the problem with the institutional right. church. Yep. It creates passive men, and men by nature... Are, they have a sense of duty, but they also have a sense of giving it away. Right. And like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't have to. I'm not going to. Not right now. And uh, so they become very passive. In fact, I was listening to a guy today, and this is interesting. I'll throw it out there, uh, see what you guys think. And uh, Adam in the garden was with Eve when she was tempted, and he did nothing about it. So he was very passive, right? 
But it was very, this guy had an interesting take on it. I don't know how true this is, but think about it. He was like, Adam was in a win-win situation. He was like, okay, so God gave a command, and now here's my chance to see if it's really true. Do I really trust God or whatever? I'm going to use my wife because <laughs> yeah. the, servant, the serpent is coming to my, my wife and is asking her and, uh, to, to eat the, the fruit. And she does. So at that moment, he's like, she's either going to die or she's not. And if she doesn't die, then the serpent's telling the truth. And so I win both ways. My wife is, is the guinea pig here. And so she doesn't die. So then he eats the fruit. And at that moment, they realize they're naked Uh-oh. and yeah, they're yeah. in trouble. And uh, it, it, because he didn't realize he's the one in authority. Right. And so it... it didn't really matter what Eve did. I mean, it, it does, but oh, he no, was... No, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, there is something to that. He Because it says later when Paul wrote, I think in Romans, by sin, by one man, sin entered into the world. Right. Adam, Adam has contributed to... He's being... He's the one that sin is attributed to. Right. That he sinned. Even though Eve sinned first, right? right? Yeah. But it was Adam's sin. And so he was being very passive there. He was just letting it happen. He right. did so, not... Stop. So I like the idea of the view. I've never seen anybody present that right. view before the situation. But I have to say, there's no way I could even take that into consideration because... I don't think there's anything he wanted to do to lose his wife. This is the only one. (laughs) Maybe he's like, if she dies, I get a new one? I don't know. Maybe a better one. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't Um, think so, Tim. That's right. So, boys expect others to... I don't think so, Tim. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, boys expect others to provide what they lack. Men look around to see where something is lacking and provide. Mm. That's, That's a good one. Boys consume, men produce. Boys are born, men are made. That's that's when you were just talking about. Uh, boys cheat. I, I cheated. Uh, like every game I played, I tried or to cheat. Or the cheat codes. I definitely cheated in video games. Um, but men honor their promises. And that the, that's something to be... If you're a boy and you cheat at games and stuff, well... Do you think that's just going to change? You need to grow up. Right. You need to stop because uh, you think that's just going to change because you get married. You're going to start cheating yep. on this, cheating on that, then cheat on your marriage. Right. I hope not. But men, boys, uh, boys cheat. Men don't. Well, because they cheat because it's hard. So they want to find an easy way. Right. They want to win. So right. the, the goal is all consuming, but they don't care the damage. And that's out of control. But that's not good. Winners never cheat and cheaters never win. Well, sometimes they win. Cheaters sometimes win. <laughs> anyway, until they get caught. That's right. Boys don't control their lusts. Men choose to control their temptations. Boys choose fits uh, anger fits, and men choose paths to peace. And I like when he said that. He said because uh, you actually choose your anger. You can control that anger, and but you don't. But men actually choose paths of peace. And a boy thinks his life is all about him. A man knows that his life was given to him to serve others. I have a quick story because uh, this was appropriate this week. And, and Sarah's like, uh-oh, you're going to... Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, we got in a little argument this week. And, um, <laughs> what? It, Y'all? Yes. No. So we were, no. I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it was um, as we're talking about this, and I'm like, oh, this is 
is killing me. Um, but I have very strong convictions about something, and my wife evidently doesn't. Um, not to throw under the bus, you know, <laughs> but it's. I don't want to get into the issue, but I have very strong feelings about something, and and she doesn't. And uh, so her and the kids were wanting to do something that I just don't like to do. And so we got into a pretty heated discussion for us uh, about what, what that was. But in the middle of it, I know that my wife has good intentions and that she, has, she wants to go in this with a pure heart and she would love to do this. And, and, um, and I don't, I don't want to do this. And so we're just going back and forth. It's not going anywhere. And so I go outside and I'm just, I'm, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, <laughs> we're talking about being a man and what does a man do? Right. <laughs> yes. And does a man throw a fit? Like I just did because I'm not getting what I want. And, um, and so I go back in there and I'm like, okay, it's, it's all about, pride. It's my, my pride and arrogance that because I expect everybody to be like me and, and to believe like me that no one else can do anything else, right? And I'm like, if this is something you really want to do, uh, then it's fine. I don't have to participate. You know, I can, I can still not go or do whatever. But it was just, you know, my arrogance and my pride uh, was in the way. And kind of like this list was coming to, to mind, like... I choose paths of peace. I don't choose to just sit and pout and uh, because I want my wife to be on my page. I want my kids to be on my page. Well, then I got some work to do. You know, I, yeah. I just don't throw a fit and just sit in my room and pout. So I had to choose paths of peace and humble myself and, and all that. Uh, is that how the story went for you, babe? And <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you bring up a good point and I, I'm going to, Notice how Sarah's not really talking yeah, this episode too much. <laughs> well, this way, I'm going to take it from a lady's perspective. Oh, are you? Yeah, I oh. am. Okay. Larry's got to get in touch with his oh, feelings. That's right. <laughs> well, I'll just say, if you're a young lady and you're with a guy that acts like a boy here, yeah. you're part of the problem. Yes. Because mm. if the young ladies tolerate boys being continuing to be boys, then our society is going to continue going downhill. So you need to... Raise the bar a little bit. You do. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if you're a young lady and you're looking for a man and he's still a boy, then you need to move on. Well, let's, so. I'm going to take that opportunity to jump in. We're going to give Sarah a chance to talk. <laughs> what do you look for? What, what do women want to see as a man? Well... That's a big question. It is a big question. <laughs> right. At that point, that's where but you've been thinking say... about it all week, right? <laughs> exactly. I have been. <laughs> but some, pretty much somebody just like that's him. right. That's right. Yeah. That's what I'm waiting for. Oh, Perfect yeah. answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that was seriously. Like... No, I mean, I know. I think in the world, you always hear, you know, women want guys with lots of muscles and money and you know, um, accomplishments and things like that, but. I don't know, at least for me, and I feel like in Christian circles, I feel like we want men that will stand when nobody else does. Right. We want men that are strong in spirit and, you know, can, they they believe what they believe strongly and no matter what happens around them, it's like these people are willing to stand. These people are, you know, sure, admit you're wrong. Like that's always a good thing if you can find somebody that admits when they're wrong. But um, I think the big thing is, is to be able to stand. He's strong right. in spirit. 
Like that's stand for your convictions, yeah. you right. know, and 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 not give in to the the every wind of doctrine. Right. And right. when your friends are going a certain way, like there's a certain family that we know, and they're kind of goobers. They're kind of weird, and you know. But I do respect them because they they will do what they want to do like, Hey, this is what we think we should do. We don't care what society says. We don't care what the culture says. And I totally respect that. Right. You know, I may, I may say "Ah, they're a little antiquated and it's kind of, you know, and if I'm saying that, that's, that's probably something, (laughs) um, because everyone's probably thinking I'm antiquated, but it's, um, you know, but I respect when a man stands for, for truth and for righteousness, you could be, you could be like my son, who's 140 pounds, evidently. He just told us yesterday. <laughs> and um, you can be skinny and, uh, and you know all that and may not be able to do as many chin-ups as the other guys. Because when you get together with young men, yeah. what happens? <laughs> Let's see how many push-ups I can yeah, do. You know, right. They want to show off their strength and all that. And I want to like, well, who's going to stand in the time of temptation? Yeah. That's, That's what I want to know. Who's you can be two hundred fifty pounds and look like a linebacker, or you can be one hundred forty pounds, but it doesn't mean anything if you can't stand against the devil, right. you know, and look him face in the eye and say, "No, I'm going to choose righteousness. I'm going to choose faith. I'm going to right. choose godliness." Right. And to do that in our culture is difficult sometimes. Yeah. You go on the college campuses. It's intimidating. Right. The, the pressure to give in and just go with the flow is so easy. Why can't you just, you know, I ask my question, I, I ask that question to me sometimes is like, why can't, why can't I just go with the flow sometimes, know, yeah. you know, and it's like, uh, why can't I be normal? <laughs> yes. It would be nice every once in a while. And in some ways we are, but there's some, some things like, no, we are not compromising on this. We are, we, we believe that what we're doing is godly and we're not going to, compromise at all. Right. I think a, a good definition is somebody as a, of, of a man is you don't have, you may not be strong physically, but are you strong principally? Right. Because you can, you can be strong, but physically and weak in principle yeah, our beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that's not really manly. So no. this list here, is this your, what you were just talking about, the main characteristics of a main, of a real man? I mean, that's just a different things that came to mind as I was reading stuff and listening yeah. to stuff. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I see my my pet peeve is on here. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's hear the list, the characteristics of a to man. protect, you know, we should be able to protect in many ways than just physical. I mean, physical might be one of them, but to protect your family from uh, evil influences, the, the world out there. And I know you don't want to shelter your kids so much or your, your family so much, but um, you want to be able to protect. I have a wife that yep. is different than a man, and yep. there's some guys out there that want to treat their wives just the same. And like, you know, um, you, uh, we're at job sites and we hear filthy language and, and and terrible jokes and things like that. Well, my wife can handle that. My wife doesn't need to handle right, that. Exactly. I need to help right. protect her. I need to protect my kids from that. They're 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 different. And we need to be able to take some of those arrows and and some of that ungodliness out there instead right. of you know open that up to our families and our yeah, wives. They need to be able. They need to have a, a a feeling of safety, right, from you. 
I, I, I think so. Protecting yeah. spiritual protection and physical protection. Right. Uh, provide. I think that's an obvious yeah. one. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you know, honestly, I, I didn't have a, a biological, my biological dad. I did have a biological dad. Yeah, you did. <laughs> we all have one. Um, but he didn't raise me. Yeah, right. I don't know him, and I was raised by another. And uh, who I call my dad is he did teach me a lot of what it was like to be a man. He wasn't perfect by any stretch. You know, he was he was a normal man, uh, trying to do the best he could, and he did teach me those things and to provide is is a big one um to take responsibility that's a good one um to have passion ah whoa did you put that one on here i did yeah to have uh passion directed in the right way yeah Yeah. not just to have passion you know i've seen passionate guys and they're almost weak-willed, and um, but to have passion is is better than not. To lead, to be able to be a leader, uh, to fear the Lord—that is, that should be number one right there. Uh, yeah. If you don't fear the Lord, then what are you doing? Uh, not shaken by bad news, but trust completely in God. Wow, that's like very specific. Yeah, that is so. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, stand for truth, not shaken by every wind of doctrine. We kind of talked about right. that. That is um, a good list there. Yeah, uh, what was your pet di- peeve? Well, it was in the different list. Oh, okay, but, uh, never mind. Uh, well, it was this one. A, uh, where is it? A boy looks for a girlfriend, a man looks for a wife. Yes, actually, that is. <laughs> but not when he's thirty. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't okay. like the term girlfriend. We, okay. we know that. Well, okay. so if you you know if you're going to be around Larry instead of introducing a girl, this is my future wife. Well, because it, a girlfriend tends towards dating, playing yeah, yeah, the field. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. well, you know, there's not much a commitment there. That's, so. I, I just thought that was funny. I'm like, of all the things. <laughs> um, anyway. To, to stand for truth and not shaken by everyone to doctrines. You know, the, the world today needs that so much. Yes. Yeah. We're not taught by pretty much anybody to stand for truth. No. Um, yeah. There's just not anybody standing up for, for what is... Um, the godly principles that we that, that you know we were brought up possibly I must say we were brought up with I was right yeah you know it, that is something that um, we're, we're led to be passive we're taught to be passive just yeah. to you know go along and, and get along right um, you know whatever whatever somebody else is doing doesn't relate to you they can do their thing that's that's not that's not truth no, um, well because truth becomes relative and that's what the prevailing philosophy is is. Your your truth is maybe not my truth. Right. So if you have no truth, there's no absolute truth. What do you stand for? Right. Yeah. You stand for nothing. Yeah. And so. Well, I do have a question. Oh. Which isn't on here, but oh. it just came to mind. So we'll see if you want to answer it. But we've been talking about what a real man is and what it takes to be a real man. And coming from a woman's perspective. Oh yes. I like. What would you tell wives out there? What could we do to help? you to be ah, these question. men that we want yes. you to be. So that's a good question because I do have an answer and it's going to seem like these ladies are going to think, look, look, we're talking to men right now. So right. you know, obviously if we're talking to women, we'd be saying different things uh, to the men, but to the ladies, they could really help out by encouraging. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was told a story uh, real quick here. If I, if I have time right here. So there was a guy who was really sick and he, uh, he had a, a disease that was going to kill him. And stress was going to help, help 
further that along real, real quickly. And so the doctor pulled in his wife and says, I want to talk to you separate from your husband. And because and, I got some tips and hints for, her. he says, look, your husband has this terrible disease and, and it's, it's going to kill him. But stress is the big killer. It's going to really kill him. So here's a couple of things that you can do to help out so to alleviate that stress and help him live a little bit longer. And she's like, well, okay, whatever. And the, the, the doctor said, okay, first is wake up early and get ready uh, before he does and make yourself very well presentable, make him breakfast and uh, say good morning and, and get him ready. So, you know, lighten that stress mode. And then uh, when he comes home from work, you know, <laughs> what, Larry's just laughing that I said this to you. No. Oh, okay, go okay. ahead. So then this, uh, um, when he comes home from work, you tell him how good of a job he's done, you know, lessen that stress and then, you know, sexually be available at any time. And she was like, oh, okay. Uh, so they got in the car and he's like, well, what did the doctor said? And, and she looked at him very tenderheartedly and said, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, but seriously. Well, I was going to say one thing a wife can do is if a man says he's going to do something, he doesn't need to be reminded every three months. He'll get it done eventually. Eventually, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, so I, mean, you know, I actually to, to this point, I remember, um, and I don't remember what the what the promises were. I can't. I, but I was thinking about it, and I remember making promises uh, to my wife. Um, whatever they were, but mm. then not keeping the promises. It wasn't like I was intentionally not keeping right. the promises. I just didn't do it. A period of time would pass yeah. and it didn't get done. Yeah. You know, and it may not be, I'm not thinking task. I'm just thinking about things that I was going to do to improve is more what I'm thinking in the line of, the yeah. line of here. And I got to a point where it's like, you know, apologizing because it didn't happen. I apologize because it didn't, you know, we, time would go by. I didn't it, and then it's like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna stop promising, yeah, right? Pretty much because <laughs> I'm not gonna keep the promise. I don't want to be a. I don't want to be a liar. So, but I, I distinctly, I don't remember the exact time, but I remember, um, you know, I remember my wife um, changing at, at a point in time where it was. She was. She never was one that nagged, but it's you know, like I just feel like I went from feeling like I was failing in a lot of positions to where I didn't feel like I was failing anymore. I don't know that I changed, but I think she did yeah. because she believed in me. Yeah, you I was know, that, so having a wife that believes in you helps the husband to be able to move forward and 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 not fail. Right. Um, and it gives us courage to step out a little more and do the next thing right. that we need to do to be able to lead. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that it really on a serious note to answer your question is just to be your husband's cheerleader. Yeah. yeah. His support, his comfort. Yeah, and I know some ladies are like, well, you don't understand my... Look, there's a time and place where you need to bring down the hammer, maybe. Well, but you, can, you can speak the truth, but you don't have to be demeaning about it right. either. But being a so. cheerleader helps because you would want to be cheerleaded too. Right, and, exactly. And so to answer your question, babe, um, you know, when you hear things like this, when you go to conferences and you know you hear what a man's supposed to do, the woman's always like, hey, yes, aren't, aren't you listening? And that's not the point of this. The point of this is the, the man really realizes already that he's failing. Yeah. That yep. you know, he realizes where he's messing up and he yep. needs to step up. And so when he tries to step up, that's when you don't kick him again. You you let him fail. You know, even if he's like, I really want him to do devotions. 
and then he finally does, don't tell him he did it wrong. Right. <laughs> you know, just say it's thanks. Like, so give him some helpful hints. Right. Maybe, you know, just or, to say thank you. You know, yeah. thank you for providing. Right. You know, thank you for, you know, standing up. Thank you for spending time with my kids when they do. You know, mm-hmm. don't, don't be fake about it. But when they actually do something, uh, you know, say thank you and yeah. uh, give him praise for, for that. And you're like, oh, like just the fact that pump you, the, I like the fact that you say let him fail. Right. You know, don't 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 stand in the way of don't stand in the way of failure because God can use that right, exactly. to actually help him next time. But yeah. be there to, to help help, to right. be there. If you're there getting in the way and not letting him fail, yep. then God can't do what he needs to to change the Exactly. Man. Yeah. You're fighting against God in right. that case. Yeah, dude, trust the Holy Spirit will do his job. Right. The Holy Spirit convicts and reveals things to us. He's working in our lives, and we're, look, we're not perfect. We're gonna we're gonna make mistakes at times, and uh, we're gonna argue about a concert, and uh, you know, but it's uh, it happens. But but no, that's the, you know, my thing would be just to not point fingers and be like, how can I help him do his uh, the, be the best he can be? Yeah. And same thing with a woman. Which whenever we talk about a woman, it's like, how can I help be my have my wife be the best that she can be? Right, and in, encouraging one another in that is is vital. So so let's turn a corner here and let's look at it. Uh, we've been talking about men. Uh, how can parents help their boys become men? That's a good question because uh, I was listening to someone and I think this is true and they were saying it takes a man to make a man. Right. Uh, a, a woman can only do so much and, and, right. and I can appreciate the efforts of the ladies and uh, I'm sure the same is with the daughter too. Yeah, know? what was it they said? A, a, a woman can... Raise take, a boy. Take raise an a boy. infant to a boy, but right. not a boy to a man. Right. Well, and I've always jokingly told people that we're not raising children. We're raising adults. Exactly. Yeah. And that's I right. don't want them to stay children. Yeah. I, w- I want them to become men and women of God. But it takes a man. Yeah. So it takes our example. And a, a more is caught than taught. You know, we can teach platitudes and we can teach things to our children. And some of that stuff will get caught, I'm sure. Uh, they can go read books too. But honestly, they're going to look at our lives and yeah. that's the best example. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we could look at point to Christ and that is the ultimate exa- example. Uh, I'm going to fail. Uh, just ask my kids. You know, I, right. I'm sure I failed along the way. I know I failed, but Christ doesn't. You know, But what I can give to my, my, my children, especially my boys, and I only have two of them, is, you know, a work ethic, you know, a desire to learn, a desire to love God and to pursue God with with everything that he has. And is he going to accept responsibility uh, right. for when things go good or bad, you know, especially the bad part? Are you going to accept responsibility when things don't go your way? And um, um, I forget the last thing. Well, um, I was going to say, just going back to that video, is that... From a woman's standpoint, right. they, they like to nurture, and that's good. We need that in society. But sometimes you need that man as a boy to tell the boy, tough it up. Yeah, you know that, so, that's very that's very yeah. not very 2023. I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure that's toxic masculinity. I, well, I know, but <laughs> like right there. But there there's a time you end up with a a wimp, a wimp with a man bun. I mean, you do. You do need to. <laughs> well, Larry said, Larry said earlier, men are designed in a way to be leaders, yep. to yeah. be strong, to, to fight. You're right, and that can be used in multitude of ways, either good or bad. Right. But it takes another man to teach a boy how to control those desires 
desires and those yeah. passions right. to be able to use them appropriately, to still have them, still be able to bring them out when they're needed, but also to seek after righteousness and meekness. Yeah. Well, um, like what you were talking about earlier, you got to give your op- your boys opportunity to fail. Yeah. And it's hard for us because we don't want to see them fail. No. But we fun. have to give them a chance to make a choice and see if they make the good one or not and if they're going to fail. And that's a tough one. It is. But yeah. if you've raised them correctly, hopefully they don't go off too crazy. But um, they have to live their life, yeah. you know, at some point. Now, I'm not saying that when they're, they're uh, 14, you just start making them let them make all their decisions for their life. But especially when they get to 16, 17, 18, for sure. It's yeah. like you, you, you should, you know, be acting like a man. Uh, I know I felt like, you know, we did really well with our sons, especially Jeremiah, since he was the oldest, until like a certain point. There was a certain point, like 16 or 17, I felt like something was going on that it wasn't going up anymore. And he's sitting in the room, so it's kind of awkward. <laughs> but no, the, uh, but he's not listening, like, I'm uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, but it felt like so we got to, I got to push forward and I got to either give him more responsibility. I got to, I got to figure this out as a, as a man right. myself, I have to figure it out. I can't just give up and right. just say, well, uh, I'm done. He's 18. No, I, I got to push him a little bit more. And uh, so he can grow and mature into a man. In fact, and I know a lot of churches don't let this happen, but you have to let opportunity for your young men to step up spiritually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Give them opportunity to share, to teach. Yeah. It doesn't have to be anything special. Uh, can they lead in any kind of way in the church? Are they going to, you know, what is going on in their hearts? You know, our church, obviously, we, we have that opportunity where people can share. Um, most churches don't. And they're stuck in a youth group, which is perpetual child childness. Yeah, um, exactly. But they have to be able to have that opportunity. Hey, Jeremiah, what are you what are you thinking about? Cameron, these are young yeah. men in our church. Like, hey, what are you? What's God doing in your life? And what's he What's he doing? Pr- promote that. Get them going. You know that way, so they can mature into uh, a manhood. Well, and I think because the question was for parents, and obviously you're right. I think it takes a man to make a man, but. I think a lot of moms get in the way when we try to keep our boys boys. And I feel like for me, it's like I had to just let go. And, you know, instead of, you know, as he got to, as Jeremiah got to be like 17, 18, 19, I had to kind of um, let you make the, let you call the shots. And I had to stop treating him like a kid. You know, it's like I make charts and it's like all the kids are going to do this. And it's like, instead of me going and saying, did you make your bed? Did you, you know, it's like, it's okay. Like I just... I kind of you got to make go your plan, and, and and we got to see how well we've done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like okay, right. now you got to step up, and yeah. and what do you want to do, and around the house? I'm not going to tell yeah. you what to do anymore, and you figure ways that you can participate, yeah. and um, yeah. and be a part of the family and help out, and that's tough because yeah. we want to tell them what to do, and, yeah. and look, we we're not perfect at that. We. Uh, we, we've been watching this for a while now, and I've seen a lot of people really struggle with this. You know, they get to this age and they really struggle, and so we're learning a lot. And uh, we've have five adult children now, and and two of them are still at home, and so it is a challenge at times. Yeah. And we don't want to keep them perpetual children. We want them to go on to 
a woman, a yeah. man of God. Right. I think so. we're so afraid though that they'll fail is the problem. That is the big mm-hmm. thing. And so we want to do anything we can to keep them from yeah. that. But actually that failure sometimes is what helps them to mature. And to well, anyone, anyone who's successful by whatever term you want to use successful has failed before they succeeded. Failed yeah. at something. Uh, I mean, you had right. to, yeah. I almost fired both of my boys at different times. Almost <laughs> they, fired them? Oh, yeah. Well, okay. uh, Jonathan, so we would go to work. Fire, never mind. I, I, yeah. Can you fire your wife? Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> I know, not my wife, but I, inside joke. But yeah. Anyway, um, I told him, I said, okay, this is going to be like a normal job. I said, but I will, I'll wake you up once. And if you don't get up, you don't work. Mm. And if you miss twice, I won't ask you again. And so, come to job prepared. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Expect anyway. to work. No, right. So, but the, the Jonathan, I went in, said, "Hey, it's time to get up, go to work." And then I walked out. Well, he never got up. Oh. So we left. And then uh, later, he's like, "How come you didn't get me up?" I said, "I did. You didn't get up. You do it again, and I won't. You won't be working." And so uh, he learned. Yep. He yeah. got up. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> yep. It was tough. I was a little tough on them, I guess, maybe more than I should have, but they learn, and well, now they're doing well in work-wise. Chuck so. almost mentioned about Jesus Christ being the, the model example there. I, I don't know if we edited that out, <laughs> but I think we might have to make this a part two yeah. and, and and cover that in the, the, the next episode. So uh, I, I guess we'll save that for next episode. Yeah, sounds good. So, yeah, well, let's go ahead and, and check our, uh, our history time with Larry or whatever's yeah. next. The Mike Charleston Show. History with Larry. All right, Larry. All right. Yes. I like that. I like that music. You like the intro? Yeah. For you. What they call that bumper music? Yeah, it is bumper music. What they used to call in the old radio days. That's right. <laughs> no one knows what that means anymore. But uh, so okay. So what do we got today? Today we have a guy that's unknown, really, to probably most people, unless yeah, you're I'm some sure. kind of. Uh, until now. Until now. Unless you're some kind of, uh, well, I was going to say nerd, but I guess there's probably a lot of nerds right. out there. <laughs> if you're into engineering, you would probably know who this is. Ah, okay. So. okay. I am not into engineering, and I don't yeah. know really. You told me who it was earlier. But I did. I shouldn't have, right. but you know, it's... So it's actually the story of this guy is, it's kind of tragic at the end. I mean, oh, it really? seems so promising, and there's such... I almost... Didn't. Doesn't everybody in history have a tragic end? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say. Well, they all die. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a good point. <laughs> but this is kind of sad, um, and I almost didn't include it. But I thought, ah, that's important to the story. Okay. So yeah. But uh, it, we're going to go back a little bit before we get to the person because the, a little um, work up, I guess. Yeah. So during the American Industrial Revolution, oh, way back, yeah. So we had some the the invention of the steam engine was a big part of that because up until that point, you know, travel was horse and buggy, yes, or sail on the ocean, sail. That's right. <laughs> but the invention of the steam engine created a whole new world. Of travel and manufacturing, sure. But steam engine had some problems. One, it had to be fed fuel constantly, and it needed to be, the parts needed to be lubricated quite often. And to fuel it, you could just keep the machine running and just shovel coal in. But to lubricate it, you had to shut it down 
which meant production had to stop. And Or if you're on the train, the train had to stop and you had passengers had to wait. Somebody had to crawl underneath it and lubricate it and all that. They didn't have air conditioning either, did they? They did not. So, no. yeah, if you're... On a day you, like today. Yeah, woo. could you imagine? Whew. Yeah. Stopping like uh, just across Lake Pontchartrain oh, on the train oh, and having to wait it out. And, yeah, it's a hot one today. Yeah, if, if you don't know, it is like 100 degrees, feels like 112, something like that. It's hot. Yeah, so this brings us up to the point of the man of our story today. Okay. So Elijah was born on May 2nd. Now, the dates I had were two different dates. One was 1843, the other was 1844. And I don't know if it was because the record keeping wasn't as... I'm, I'm guessing that's yeah. probably the case, right? He was born in Ontario. Oh, which is kind of unique. California. Uh, <laughs> no, not that Ontario. <laughs> no, not that one. Canada. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Canada. Uh, but when he was 15, his parents arranged for him to move to Scotland ah. to go to engineering school as an apprentice. Okay. So he spent eight years in Edinburgh, Scotland. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Edinburgh, however. Edinburgh. I'm not Scottish, so. Yeah, kind of. Well, 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 Irish, yeah. but yeah, close. Yeah. Anyway. Top of the morning to you. Yeah. <laughs> after eight years as an apprentice, he moved. His parents at the time moved back to moved to Michigan to the U.S. and then he joined them in Michigan. Couldn't find a job as an engineer, mm. and he ended up working for the Michigan Central Railroad as a fireman and oil man. Which the fireman was the guy who shoveled the coal into the ah, so he didn't put out fires. He didn't put them out. He, he created kept it going. <laughs> And an oil man. So when the train stopped to be lubricated, somebody had to crawl underneath the train. They usually had a team of guys because, you know, a long train, it would take one person forever to do it. Um, they crawl underneath there, lube all the axles and bearings and all that. So it was a tedious and dirty job. I'm sure. And hot, too. Yeah. So, and it, but having an engineer background, he thought, hey, we there's a problem here. What can I do to fix it? So he developed what was called the oil drip cup. It was a little cup that would fit over the axles or the bearings and things like that. And it used the pressure from the steam engine to lubricate those parts. And they could do it as it was moving. So right. they didn't have to... St- so so he just a- got rid of a bunch of people's jobs. He did. Right there. But, <laughs> but it increased production. And it, and other people soon realized that, hey, this is... We can use it. He invented it for the railroad. Right. But then other people realized we can use this as well. Steamships, factories, all kinds of uses it had for it. And so a lot of people wanted it. He got it patented, but he didn't have the money to produce it himself. So he had to sell the rights mm. for somebody else to manufacture it. Ah, just, I know. Just the way it is. But <laughs> he, he did a, a simple design that was very effective, and but other people wanted to copy it. So they started making cheaper ah. products. And... Um, that's where other so manufacturers who wanted his product started asking. I don't. I want the genuine. Mm-hmm. I want the, the real McCoy. The real McCoy. <laughs> right. So oh. that's the the man of our story oh. is Elijah McCoy. He's Irishman. Uh, no, yeah. no, no. He's a black guy, right? A black guy. Former. His parents were slaves that escaped Kentucky via oh. the Underground Railroad up to okay. Canada. Wow. And that's why he was born a free man in Canada. Went to Scotland, came back to the U.S. I wonder but, if he got his last name in Scot- Scotland or something. Because McCoy you know, I, well, just isn't a... I, yeah, it's, it's not a Kentucky name, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> so. the, the, the Irish were, were not free people either always. I know. So, so 
Um, yeah, I you know I couldn't figure out I couldn't find out where he got his last name from, so no. I don't know if it was maybe his parents. Well, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I, usually sometimes the s- former slaves would take the name of their yeah, yeah. okay, so sure. slave owners. But um, yeah, so the tragic that was a, he had fifty seven U.S. patents to his name. Who did he sell his patent to? I I couldn't find out who okay. it was. They so yeah, I was it, looking. I looked on several different sources, but I couldn't figure out who it was. He actually, so here's the exciting part. He had 57 patents to his name. One of them was, yeah, <laughs> you would think. Well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> he improved the ironing board of all things. Wow. To, for uh, his, his wife. Well, I was going to say, his wife had Aww. some issues. So, and, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> in what way? They um, he up? made it more portable, foldable. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, wow. so um, he also improved the water sprinkler for your lawn. Spr- they didn't have sprinklers back then, Larry. Well, they had, yeah, they did. They had a portable <laughs> sprinkler type. Yeah, and he he made he got a patent on an okay. improvement wow. on it. So okay. those are just a couple of things. Nice. Most of his impro- his patents come from for the rail were railroad uses. Sure. So, right. but this is the exciting part was he didn't start his own company until he was in his seventies. Wow. Yeah, it was um, 76. It was in 1920. Yeah, so he was born in... Um, uh, 1843 or yeah, 4. Yeah, that's right. I said that. But yeah, so he was wow. well up in years when... And I, I couldn't figure out why. I, I couldn't find out why he waited so long. I don't know if it was just... Wow. Money, trying or trying to find investors, or maybe because what, he was a black man in a white man's world. That was yeah. a big part of it. But there were other black men who were successful at the time. Sure. But just, I mean, it could be that funding location. Yep. Yeah. Where, but he timing. lived in Michigan, so and timing. But, but yeah, but he decided he got a chance. And the sad part is, so well, two things that were sad. One, his first wife died after only about four years of marriage. Well, because of ironing. Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why he invented the iron board, made it easier. No, I don't know. Uh, but then uh, he remarried, and he, they were married for quite a while. But so he started his company, and then his wife had. They were in a car crash hmm. in nineteen. Uh, Larry, they did not have cars back then. Nineteen twenty-two. Okay. Yeah, they. Which is kind of weird. It's like, how did you die in a car crash in nineteen? Because the oh, cars. That's what, he, that's what killed him. Yeah. Her, his wife. Oh. Um, yeah, I, it's like the cars weren't traveling very fast. So, well, I, but they also were made out of. I mean, they didn't have airbags. Right. Yeah, have, that's true. Maybe she fell out and hit a rock or something. <laughs> but I, well, I, they didn't have seatbelts, so it was. Wow. <laughs> maybe she fell out. I mean, that is that's a legitimate thing. Maybe. I, well, <laughs> yeah. well, they were called the horseless carriage when they first invented. That so, is true. And they they probably, probably, probably a, didn't have a cup. Yeah. Okay. Well, they had okay. a maybe more. Let's go with that. A she Model fell T. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he never, he was, he goes seriously injured in that as well. Okay. And so he never fully recovered. So oh. he was already in his seventies and his company just struggled because he, his health never recovered yeah, and he died bad. impoverished wow. in um, Octo- October 10th, 1929. 1929. So, wow. That's a, yeah. that's almost a hundred years ago, man. I Think know. About isn't that. that crazy? That is nuts. That's crazy. Well, good for So him. that's our story. Elijah McCoy, which is, I mean, he's a, it's an interesting story yeah. to, to look yeah. up his life and, uh, yeah, Elijah, uh, and Elijah, like the name. Yeah. Elijah McCoy. 
Yeah. Interesting because so. I've always I've heard people refer to the real McCoy. Yeah. Now, I didn't know what that was from. I'm gonna because there's gonna be people out there. I'm sure things are gonna come in that that's not where that phrase came from. Nobody knows where it comes from, but it was yeah. a lot of people do attribute it to him. Because his product was so well made right. that everybody wanted the, the genuine, the real yeah. thing. They didn't want the Walmart brand. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, or the Dollar General. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but so. Um, yeah, so it's he. His contribution to civilization was a was incredible because it really did make a difference yeah. in travel and sure and production. Sure, yeah. but uh, wow. but he never became. A huge wealthy. success on it. Yeah, wealthy. so you got to take that money away, uh, Joshua. Uh, the money's yeah. got to go back. That's right. <laughs> so, well, cool. Cool story. Yeah. Uh, like, like I, I didn't know who he was, so that's cool to hear. Yeah, little name, little unknown name in American history. That's right. That made a difference. So, All right. Well, cool. Well, that's uh, that's our history lesson for today. Yep. Thanks again, Larry. The Mike Charleston Show. Music with Sarah. What song do you like? Okay, babe, this is your music minute or moment, whatever it is. The song and, of the week. Yeah, the song of the week. And in fact, this week, we're going in the Wayback Machine. We are going in the Wayback Machine. So no, this- some people have said, you know, these are all too modern, all the songs you're picking. Well, this one. Not modern. No, this goes back, what, 30 years almost? 30 years this year. 30 years. Yeah. Okay, wow. Because this came out in 1993, if you can't that? do the math there to figure out what 30 years is. But um, anyway, this song is called Keeper and Sustainer of My Life. Keeper and Sustainer by, of My by Life. By Dennis Jernigan. Right. Now, this is on one of my favorite all-time albums. Yeah. We discussed this a couple weeks ago when I saw Alan Parr do his, like, one of the all-time favorite albums. And I'm like, what are my favorite albums? And kids these days don't even know what albums are. But um, I was going through a few of them. And this one, I had just gotten saved and went to the store. This isn't a very popular one. It was by Heart Cry. And Dennis Jernigan did some songs. And this was uh, I Belong to Jesus, Volume 2, which is really hard to find on YouTube. In fact, you have to... It's like a worship collection. Yeah, it's now part of... It's called... The Worshippers Collection, Volume 1 by Dennis Jernigan, and that actually includes two albums. Right, Right. it has both albums, and I don't like really Volume 1 as much, but Volume 2 has a lot of good songs, and there was a lot of good songs to choose from, and it reminded me of my childhood because I grew up in a church that was very upbeat, and a lot of the songs are upbeat, and then there's a lot of slower songs that are really um, meant a lot, especially I Just Got Saved. And this was one of my yeah. first worship albums that I got. And so Keeper and Sustainer of My Soul. Keeper and Sustainer of My Life. Whatever. And my life. the whole album is really good. And when we talked about albums, I thought, you know, at some point I've got to let people know about this album. So, I mean, right. I'm, I'm pointing out the this one particular song, but really... The whole thing's good. The first part's, you know, a lot of upbeat, happy songs. Yeah, and, and a lot of people might might go and look for this and then be like, this is what they like. you got to <laughs> understand, this is from the 90s, and uh, this was, it's a lot of happy, upbeat songs. Right. And um, some of them I don't really care for, but just that the progression from one song to the next, it's upbeat. It just reminds me of the, the church that I grew up in. But uh, then some of the other, the, the last like five or six songs, they're all home runs. You yeah. know, they're just, uh, you had the list right there. Yeah, but I did. T- uh, from, to be loved. And then for the Lord is a righteous God. Yep. 
Um, and keep her in sustainer of my life. And when I get home. When I get home and I long for the day, those are both like heaven songs. And right. just, I mean. Yeah, it's just, it, 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 it's songs. got some music that is very 90s. And uh, the Casio keyboard was in full effect. But uh, but still, it's still a good message. And I just, uh, once again, this might be more, same thing with you, that it was um, sentimental. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, I didn't. I don't think I heard it until we got married. And oh, then wow. we went okay. through some of the CDs. And I was just like, wow, I've never heard this in my life. But oh, this yeah. is, these are great songs. So that was back when we had... CDs and you'd like oh or not CDs we actually maybe we had we had that CD yeah. you'd open it and you'd go and find the words you know now I always just right. look it's up the lyrics on, the on my phone or computer or whatever but anyway I mean just great songs and this one Keeper and Sustainer of My Life is a great song it reminds me of one of my favorite verses I believe it's in Peter where it says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness and when it says he's the sustainer of our life it's like he has in him is everything that we need right and in the song, it goes through, you know, the, the you're the light, you're the bread, you're the, you know, you're, you're give me your plenty when there's nothing, your peace right. when there's strife, and all these things that, you know, we lack and we need. It's like everything that we need is found in Him, yep. and I just, I, I think it's a great song. So I think people no, should check it out. It was, it was perfect timing from when I got saved, and it, when I got saved, I grew up in church, yeah. and so uh, getting saved wasn't like life-altering in the sense like, wow, now I'm going to go to church. Like, I've always gone to church, but yeah. it, it, it changed my life into, I'm, I was a different person, obviously, and I did have some struggles at the beginning of my conversion there with friends and, you know, separating from this world and not being a part of this anymore. And it was kind of lonely for a time. And God sent a friend to me for my senior year in high school and it, this song really, really touched my life because like, he is the keeper and sustainer. And he, at the right time, he sends people right when you need it. He sends things right when you need it. And so if you're in that low time, uh, just hold on. Deliverance is coming, right? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so that's the song of the week. Uh, go check yeah. it out. It's, it's hard to find. We ha we'll put the link maybe here on the, in the, on, the, on the YouTube page here. And um, uh, maybe you can find the one that we have. It's it's really hard to find the CD that we had. Yeah, it's but, but honestly, impossible. like when you search it on Spotify, you get several things, but they're all the same. They're just put on different albums. Right. So if um, you search that song by Dennis Jernigan, you will find that song. Right. right. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a really good song. Yeah. So, all right, we'll go check it out. The Mike Charleston Show. Marriage. All right, babe. This is uh, we're we're continuing to go through your book here. The yeah. name of the book. Name of the book is "You Can Run in Flip Flops," but is that the best way? Yes, and we since you don't have chapter numbers, what is the next chapter? This one's called "It Came to Pass." It came to pass. Doesn't sound like a very encouraging one, but uh, do but tell. It but it actually is. Well, so I. When I was young, I heard a comedian, and he said, "I'm going to share with you one of my favorite verses." It came to pass. It came to pass, and um, but then he actually went into it, and it was actually kind of a serious moment for a second there. And he was just saying, you know, in life, so many times we could be encouraged to know that it didn't come to stay; it right. came to pass. Right. And so, um, actually, the Bible set has 453 times it says it came to pass. Really? Yeah. 
And so that's, that's a lot of time. So I'm like so many times in our lives when things aren't going well and when we're discouraged and when we feel like nothing's ever going to change in my marriage, nothing's ever going to change with my frustrating kids. I'm never going to (laughs) sleep again. I'm never going to whatever. It's like these things do change. They do change. Or you die. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess, but either way (laughs) it passes. So, I mean, take heart. It's not going to last forever. No, that is true. So I feel like, especially in marriage, I feel like, you know, wives get so at times so frustrated with their husbands because they feel like I've tried, you know, I've, I've, I've read the books. I've gone to seminars. I've tried to learn to be a godly wife. It didn't work. And he's still a guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's very frustrating, but it's like, you know, we need to hold on and realize that God's still in control and that these things won't last forever. And our lives are very, um, um, what do you call it? Fluid. Fluid, I guess. Well, I mean, like where it says life is but a vapor. Oh, yes. You know, like it is short. Like it's short, and we feel like this is just forever and nothing will ever change, but things do change. They do change. And like we were joking about earlier, it could be eternally changed. I mean, you could die. Could be. You know, then you go on to glory, but these things are temporary. And we think, especially in our teenage years, like we think that this is going to last forever. Yeah. And then we get married and we're like, oh, finally, I finally uh, got to find the one to be with. Yeah. And then you have some issues and you have some kids and that'll, and then that phase of life seems like forever. Like I'm never going to live without kids. Right. And then they're gone and you miss those things and you, yeah. you miss those times. And then it's just you and your, your spouse again. And uh, so all these things, yes, there are, there are going to be some difficult times at, at, at times. Am I, is that redundant? Times at times? Yes. There's going to be difficult difficulties at time in marriage, in relationships in general with, with parents and children and friends yeah. and spouses and things like that. But um, like you said, it came to pass. Well, especially you think of like young moms. Young moms. And those, those days can be hard and a lot of work and you just feel like, wow, like... How this am I going to get through this? End. And you think, okay, well, yeah, and you know, in, in ten years they'll finally be old enough to do all these things on their own, and right. it just feels like that's forever away. But it's yeah, like, we had a, a couple at church a long time ago. They were really frustrated with their kids, and they're like, "We'll see in five years because we just we can't handle our kids." But and, you see, five years later, things right. can be better. They're still so. saying the same thing. No. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> anyway, so I, just, I, I think it's encouraging. I think the enemy tries to put things in our you know, that show us things and it's like, this will never change. It'll never change. It'll never be any different. He's always done this or your kids are always doing this. And it's like, no, it's, it's not true. Things do change. And, you know, if nothing else, maybe your perspective can change even if, you know, your husband may not change, but you could change your attitude and that changes everything. Well, yeah. And and not to just talking about comedians, you know, we were (laughs) listening to one on a trip and uh, it was kind of serious moment too. You know, he was saying that in a moment, 24 hours, things can change. And yeah. it does. Yeah. I mean, you think about one day we were just having normal day and the next day, the next day we flooded. I mean, you just, yeah. you're not, your whole life is completely changed at that point. Now that's a bad thing, you know, but, <laughs> but things can change too. I mean, one day I was in darkness and then one day I was in light. And right. so these things do come to pass yeah. and it yes. is, uh, God is good and he gets us along. He doesn't always fix all of our problems, but he's always there with us. And that is the, the key point that he's always walking with us through the through all these times. Yep. So, all right, well, go check out the book, check out the chapter, follow along if you'd like. All right, thanks. 
Hey, this is Joshua Charleston, the producer of The Mike Charleston Show. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want to follow us, we're on Facebook at Mike Charleston Show and Instagram at underscore Mike Charleston Show. Please support us on Patreon for exclusive content. This episode is over, but if you want more, check out the website at fellowshipofbelievers.org for more information. The Mike Charleston Show has been brought to you by Fellowship Believers.